This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today is part of our town hall series in partnership with the Washington Indivisible Network and Indivisible Tacoma. We present an evening of conversation on education in the state of Washington with Beth Dolio, who is running for Congress in the 10th Congressional District. This conversation was recorded live on the evening of Thursday, October 1st, as part of a panel of current and aspiring office holders here in the state. For the full conversation, go to soundcloud.com slash WSIP slash sets. Beth Dolio is a state representative from Washington's 22nd Legislative District. Recently, she served as the campaign director at Climate Solutions, a Northwest-based clean energy economy nonprofit. She was also the founding executive director of the Washington Conservation Voters and was a field organizer for NARAL. She is currently running for Congress in the 10th Congressional District. Representative, thank you for joining us this evening. Appreciate it. Um, Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So since tonight's town hall is all about education, I thought the place that we would unpack all of this is to start with your platform. Um, As part of your congressional campaign, what are some of the key aspects of your educational platform? Well, you know, I come from a family that I was raised by two educators. My mom was a third grade teacher and my father was an administrator. So I really recognize the power of education to really transform lives And I think, you know, government is basically who provides that, you know, the dollars that educate our kids and making sure that the federal government, the state government, local, we're all working together to make sure that our kids have the best possible experience um, and that it meets them where they are at and how they learn. I really feel like we need to increase education accessibility And that's a particular focus on making sure that we have universal pre-kindergarten so that kids show up to kindergarten so ready to learn and ready to just take school on with a vengeance. And then we also need to make sure that higher education is affordable. And that for me, I really really focus on including not just the two-year and the four-year institutions, but also trade school. So if you want to pursue education post-secondary that ought to be a clear path that is affordable or, or better yet, free. And then in terms of educators, you know, we need, we need educators that look like the kids that they serve. And so we need to make investments in making sure we're recruiting and retaining a diverse body of educators who reflect the schools that they teach in. And part of that comes right down to making sure that they are paid fair wages. I can tell you as the mom of a third grade, I mean, as a daughter of a third grade teacher, this dates all the way long, long ago, right? Teachers are just simply not paid enough. And so I'm proud of the work that we've done in Washington state. Of course, it took a court case to get us to do that at the state legislative level, but our teachers are better paid now after I, you know, after, after serving the last four years, we've done a lot of work to kind of make sure our teachers are paid better here. And I want to I want to take that um, know-how and knowledge to the federal level and and see what we can do about increasing teachers and educators more broadly salaries across this nation. Finally, I guess the other big piece is um, really just making sure that we are, you know, really holistically supporting kids. They have the health care that they need. They have they come to school well-fed. They they are uh, they have a, a roof over their heads. And so I really think when we think about education and how to move it forward, 
it is not just about what goes on in that classroom. It's about making sure that our kids have the social safety net and they're getting the health care, they're getting meals regularly, and they have a, a roof over their heads. And that is something that the federal government has a significant role in. And I plan to, uh, you know, as I have as a state legislator, really tackle that at the federal level as well. Everybody, if you're just joining us, we are talking with Representative Beth Dolio, who is running for Congress in the 10th Congressional District, and we're so glad that you're with us tonight. Uh, Representative, you talked about so much there that I would I would like to just unpack a couple of things, one of which is you talk about the need to hire instructors that look like the children that they serve. Uh, so that means recruiting and retaining a diverse body of educators. What are the roadblocks here? Well, I think the, the, the roadblocks are, are uh, teacher salaries. I think we need to raise teacher salaries so that we can actually, you know, recruit in. I think the loan repayment programs could be expanded upon. Um, you know, we certainly in my family uh, benefited from a loan repayment program for, um, for health care. And I think we need to expand that um, so that teachers are getting loan repayment um, and, you know, better yet, they won't have those loans, but um, that's not the system we live in right now. And then I think it would also be, we have a great program here in Washington State called Grow Your Own, where it's an easier route from being coming in as a volunteer in your child's classroom. Like I was the PTA, you know, member and president in my child's school. And, um, you know, I could have been sort of move through a training system that is um, that 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 focuses on bringing people who actually are parents in the schools into the teaching situation. It's called Grow Your Own. We have that going on here in Washington State, and it really helps bring in paraeducators, moving them into teachers, and uh, and diversifying right in your own school district. It sounds tremendous. Uh, just one other uh, aspect of your platform on education that I wanted to ask you about specifically is you say you want to holistically measure student growth beyond standardized tests. I'm wondering what testing ideally looks like to you. Well, you know, I am not an education professional, um, and and uh, you do have some educational professionals on this uh, call, so they I'm sure they'll have better answers than me. You know, I just think that there's been too much of a focus on standardized tests. I think they put kids, um, you know, they're not very equitable and because, you know, they're, they are biased um, and, you know, not necessarily culturally sensitive. And so they really do put low-income kids and um, you know, communities of color at a disadvantage in terms of those standardized tests. I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, my son's a junior at Olympia High School right now, and he actually is like, this is the time he'd be taking that ACT or SAT, and that's not happening right now due to COVID. So I think it'll be a really interesting opportunity to see how do we reform the test system and what does that look like? And there's so much more for so many kids. There's so kids have so many things to bring to the world. People have so many things to bring to the world. It's not all about how well you fill in the bubbles or how well you write your essay. There's so many more things that um, I think school districts, schools, and teachers and educators 
and paraeducators can really encourage kids to do in the classroom that that don't revolve around filling in the right bubbles. I think this goes hand in hand with some legislation that you prime sponsored as a bill on cultural competency for administrators, school board members, and teachers. For those who may be unfamiliar, just briefly, what is cultural competence, uh, competency and why do you feel it's needed in our schools? Well, you know, I mean, what happened in this situation is that a, um, a constituent came to my office and, you know, really felt like uh, she was a woman of color and she felt like she wasn't really being understood and that um, by, by the administrators, by the teachers, and that there was a, you know, implicit bias, which is something that we all you know, have within us because we live in the United States where there is a tremendous amount of implicit bias just kind of writ into our systems. And, you know, we have these um, racist systems that we really need to figure out how to transform. And I think starting at the education uh, within our schools is a really, not starting there, I mean, we need to do this, you know, across across our entire culture, but schools is a place where, um, you know, it's really important for teachers to understand um, how their biases impact how they are teaching in the classroom or administrators to understand how their biases might impact how, they're, how they are working with parents and, and the kids. And so basically just, you know, providing training, the kinds of things that Trump is trying to get rid of in our community, but basically just helping people understand what's going on within us in terms of our own internal biases, and then how we can address that as we, as we um, project ourselves and educate our kids and work with parents in our schools. We have such limited time. I, I will also just mention you've accomplished so much here at the state level on education. I, I will mention that you procured $4 million in funding for a climate change curricula. Um, in the time that we have left, I would like to ask you about the issue of charter schools. Your opponent has publicly supported them in Tacoma, calling them school choice. What is your position? I just think it's fundamentally wrong to divert public funds to privately run charter schools that have, you know, basically no accountability to local voters. Now, that's not, and I believe, um, you know, my father uh, was the superintendent of the district where I went to school, and he was able to pull in significant federal dollars into that school district to create all kinds of different programs that met kids where they were at. That really, if, it, if you were into the arts, there were arts options. If you were into computer programming, there were computer programs. If, if a typical, you know, a, a, a normal, regular kindergarten program wasn't really working for you, there was a Montessori option. So it just, I feel like if we are investing our public dollars in public schools, as opposed to charter schools, then we are going to be able to create more of those kinds of opportunities within their schools. And I, again, a lot of the the money that my father was able to tap into to do that came from the federal government. And those are the kinds of dollars that we could be infusing into schools uh, around this nation to really build programs that meet kids where they're at. I am terribly disappointed that we are out of time because I could talk with you uh, about this for hours. Before we let you go, uh, what is your campaign website? It is BethDolio.com, and it's D-O-G-L-I-O, my last name. Representative Dolio, please take good care. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. 
Thanks again to Representative Beth Dolio. Thanks also to Kat Pipkin with the Washington Indivisible Network and Julie Anjievsky with Indivisible Tacoma. And that is it for today. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Thanks this week to Catherine Fysears. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.